It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Cy White. Hello. Hello, and joined by Josh Brown. Hello. Hello, some of the best of us to talk about what's going on in the gaming industry. Now, there's various sort of smaller news items, rumblings, rumors, things that are going around um, that I think we can flesh out into a, a few different talking points. So, um, we've already talked a lot about Horizon this week. Me and Josh covered it on the uh, the Monday wind-up. We're doing the review for the Borning, for the, for the Borning Shores the, the deal. Borning Shores. It's Borning all those shores, mate. So, you want to go and check that out over on the YouTube channel, uh, the Burning Shores DLC review by Josh Brown. But Horizon's doing the rounds in general. Um, Horizon Part 3, or whatever the hell we're calling Aloy's next game has been sort of accidentally or quite sort of inconsequentially confirmed um, in amongst a bunch of other rumors from Guerrilla Games talking about one of their um, key staff, their studio director and executive producer Angie Smets uh, going over to PlayStation Studios. Now they had to do a whole statement saying that she was leaving the company um, but in amongst saying that they said that their new leadership will steer Guerrilla towards a bright future expanding the world of Horizon with Aloy's next adventure and our exciting online project. So I kind of wanted to just... What? What? It has been actual years since I've done one of these podcasts <laughs> or videos and not known one of the news angles. I miss this entirely. This is yeah. all new to me. I feel excited. This has never happened. I'm buzzing. Yeah. <laughs> a, so there's a whole thing. I want to talk about Horizon. I mean, I, I, we've talked so much about Horizon, but I want to talk about Horizon in general because um, me and Sai, we're both in the same place here because we both loved Zero Dawn. We got through Forbidden West. It was all right. I think I'm way more negative on it than you. Um, mm. So far, I've not finished the Burning Shores stuff. Um, but overall, with Horizon, I wrote down the amount of things they've got, the amount of irons they've got in the fire now, because obviously we knew there was going to be another main installment, the assumption being that Horizon would be a trilogy or something. Um, so you have whatever the next main game is, you have the online multiplayer spin-off, which um, some gameplay for that's leaked, but obviously it's super early in development. You've got the Netflix TV show, um, and we just got the Horizon Call of the Mountain uh, VR experience for the PSVR 2. Um, where do you come down as a Zero Dawn fan or a Horizon fan in general? What are you, how, are you, how are you finding the expanded world of Horizon? Um, I, this all makes sense to me. Like mm-hmm. this is it, from the off, it seemed like a franchise where it's like there's so much opportunity here for sort of extended universe stuff. Yeah. And the list you run off there, some of it sounds like okay, a logical. I like it. We can get like an online game that's unexpected but cool. Mm-hmm. The VR game that makes sense. You're playing as a different character. That's nice. I'd like to explore more of that universe. Some of it's a little bit weird where it comes to sort of like the show where it's a bit of a retread. I'm like I'm a bit concerned about that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a series that 
could do with this kind of thing, but it does <laughs> like the ramp from zero to sixty in about a second, doesn't it? Like, it makes me think. Of you like, don't realize how much stuff is going on until you list it all like that, and you go, "Wow, that, that's a lot of stuff." I know. It's like you know when uh, was it CDPR sort of came out and we're like, "Hey, we're going to do like ten projects," and it's like, yeah. like two trilogies and whatever, and, and you get a project and you get a project, <laughs> and I'm just like, "That's a cool way to go," but I think in this, with Sony at the minute because they have this whole push towards PlayStation Studios, which is where Angie Smets is going to, and um, she's going to be the head of development strategy. Um, and their development strategy seems to be, can we make a TV show? Can we make a movie? Can we do all these things all at once? That feels like what the Jim Ryan era just mm-hmm. is with Sony. Um, Josh, what are, you, what are you thinking? It blindsided you. I was saying to you um, just in the office the other day, Scott, that Sony freaking loves Guerrilla Games. Like you said, you know, we've had this promotion here uh, to you know mm. a, a, a more general but higher up kind of position within PlayStation as a studio. You had Herman Holtz a few years ago, you know, getting promoted as well, and now overseeing so many other studios apart from Guerrilla Games. And mm. you know, they obviously love the people who are making the Horizon games, and they love the Horizon games themselves. And have doing what Cy was saying there, you know, rocketing up, rocketing it up as a franchise from zero to sixty so fast. I love Horizon content. I like <laughs> Forbidden West a lot. Um, I like the VR game a lot. You know, I was going to ask you about the VR good. stuff. Yeah, it's really good, but it's classic Horizon where you kind of play it and you think this is really good, but is it amazing? Maybe not. You know, it's got a lot to mm. it. Like Cy was saying, you know, it is really exciting to see this world from another perspective that isn't just Aloy's. And also, seeing how small Aloy is from that perspective, by the way, she's really tiny, and you're like so much <laughs> taller than her, which is really cool. I like that a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But as like at the core franchise, um, I don't know where you two fall on this, but we were talking the other day, Scott, and I reiterated this in my uh, review of Burning Shores, but I fi- kind of feel like they've pushed the formula they have now to complete breaking points. So when it comes to Horizon 3, I want to see a major overhaul. I don't think I can take the game as it is again, because while it is good, it's almost got to an Assassin's Creed level for mm. me where it I It is have, very like Assassin's Creed. Absolutely. You know, I've had this meal so many times, and I don't think I need it a third time unless you radically change the ingredients and serve me something else. <laughs> the thing that I was curious about with the VR thing is that you do you play as a custom character in that? Or you just play as someone who isn't Aloy? Yeah, you just play as a new named character whose name I have right. forgotten, but they have their own, you know, distinct story and uh, background. Right, okay. Yeah. Because I was, yeah, I'm just curious because it's like we have the online multiplayer thing coming up, which when the, I know it's like I said, it's super early gameplay that's been leaked for it, but a lot of the stuff with, for me at least, a lot of the stuff with Horizon's gameplay just kind of feels like Monster Hunter. And it's like, how do we get in on the Monster Hunter thing and twin that with Assassin's Creed and have this sort of sci-fi, um, you know, backdrop and you have all these different machines and everything, but the gameplay, especially if you start factoring in multiple players, um, it's going to feel a lot more like Monster Hunter. And then it's like, how did the first Horizon project that wasn't with Aloy, how did that feel? Like, I guess because it's VR, they can't, they need to give you a slate but i'm just curious like how big and how wide do they want this to be because i always thought horizon was aloy's story and i guess they kind of wrap up the trilogy and then maybe you go off with other characters and stuff Aloy's a funny character because she's so (laughs) advanced and so overpowered. No, well, yeah, kind of overpowered right now. Mm. She is filling that hero archetype. And I really like her. Burning Shores in particular kind of reignited my love for her as a character. I think that she has way more development that's possible than I kind of thought 
was possible during uh, Forbidden West, or at least my playthrough through, through Forbidden West, where she kind of fell to the background, and I didn't really love her story in that or her characterization. I kind of felt like her arc was completed in one, and she kind of just meandered a little mm. bit. That's just my thoughts. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are just my thoughts. But then she kind of came back again. So I want more Aloy stories, whether that's as the playable character or more of a legacy character. I'm not entirely sure, but I think that I would like to see her kept around, whether as a playable protagonist or just as someone who is still integral to the story but takes mm. on a more uh, periphery role kind of like maybe a silence as he does in the first two games it's funny actually because i said the same thing to you didn't i scott the other day like you know we we're meant to be talking about horizon 3 a bit but jumping forward like after the first <laughs> trilogy my sort of dream for it would be to play as another character and aloy sort of fulfill that obi-wan kenobi kind of role a little bit yes. like she is integral to the world you're absolutely right but there is, they need to try telling other stories. And the story of Zero Dawn is its biggest strength. And I think the story of, for the most part, of Forbidden West was kind of its biggest failing for me. So they need to tell some really great stories. And they've really got to focus on that and get that right mm-hmm. and moving forward. So, yeah, stuff like where it is the online game, where I don't know how you inject A, a great story into that. I mean, I'm sure it's possible, but how mm-hmm. you make Aloy a logical part of that as well is, is an odd one. I yeah, it's like is she just like a, a timed skin that you can She's trigger a for a bit or something? Hero then, class, yeah. sort of. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. Just summon her and she helps you out or something. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's. I don't know if we'll we'll see it this year. I guess there's a whole thing. Another news item that I've got to get to is the general sort of idea of a PlayStation showcase because I feel like overall there are a lot of different chess pieces being moved around for Sony to do this whole push into multiplayer. Like they bought a couple of uh, mobile devs. They just bought another one like last week or something. Very very small devs. They also bought Bungie, but it wasn't because of the IPs that they own. It was because of the code that they own. They seem to want to push into all these multiplayer places. And we know that the next Last of Us is like this weird sort of single player, or it's able to be a satisfying single player, but it's also this multiplayer thing. Uh, factions or whatever and it's like it feels like there's this big like uh, collective series of announcements that are going to happen where Sony want to push into this multiplayer space um, and Horizon is obviously going to be one of those things where it's like we'll have the online Last of Us um, Ghost of Tsushima already kind of proved it that you can do a, a Sony first party and make it work multiplayer with the um, I thought you call that mode now but the uh, the mode that's not the story one in Ghost of Tsushima and I kind of wonder if that's what they're going to aim for and just trying to roll out things like Horizon it's not necessarily going to matter that it's Aloy because they're just going to focus on the gameplay side of it um, how that lands, I think, is a whole other thing um, because you're trying to compete with all these different services and everything. But, yeah. I was going to ask, is there anything else we know about the multiplayer experience? Like, do we know what kind of focus it's going to take? Because my natural assumption would be what you said there, kind of mm. take the Ghost of Sushima approach and have it be a more kind of co-op PvE experience because, yep. at least in my head, that's it's easily transferable over to that style of play, similar to the Monster Hunter comparison that you made, you know? The systems that are already in there lend themselves to the multiplayer grind, as it were, I think, with the loot and the different rarities and all of the coils you can plug in and the exploration Mm. and even some of the RPG elements. And I think if you add another character in there uh, in co-op, I Mm. feel like if those characters are kind of custom made and you're trying to go through that process as your own distinct creation, you know, trying to level up, take down these creatures, take down these machines, that to me feels like a more natural fit rather than a PvP thing because mm-hmm. I just don't know if the combat of Horizon would work in PvP uh, or it might work, but it might not be fun. No, I want to make a really weird uh, suggestion here. What if they take influence from Pokemon and you have like. Uh... <laughs> 
That size face contorts. Um, what if they do, you know, limited creatures, limited monsters, shinies, essentially, where they have a whole live platform and there's a specific type of a Thunderjaw or a specific mutation of a certain creature or whatever that's only available for that weekend or for that week or for that fortnight or something. And then you get, you and your squad get in there. I'm just trying to think of ways that you could triple A the Monster Hunter formula yeah. um, and ways that you could add live service elements to that formula because um, Monster Hunter World was my absolute favorite. I've got over like 100 hours in that thing. And like, I just, I wonder what you do to that to make it match the, oh my God, it's, you know, like what else are we doing with this world? Like these 3D printers that are everywhere in Horizon just made this weird creature. And if you bring <laughs> it down, you get this thing. And uh, I think maybe something like that would kind of work. Because yeah, the leaked footage uh, mostly just showed a character running around, um, but it very much looked like a custom character. I think it'd be weird if it was like Uncharted multiplayer where you're sort of using a single player tool set against each other. I think it would have to be PvE. Yeah, I'd like the actual human combat in Horizon has never been its strong point, has it anyway? No. So if it was just you versus other human characters, that would be really, really weird. And, <laughs> and also there are dinosaurs in the background, I guess. It mm-hmm. would be really, really weird. Like the Monster Hunter thing is absolutely the route they should go. Mm-hmm. Or... As a complete, just like to screw with everyone, uh-huh. just make like a uh, RTS style, like <laughs> tribes versus oh. tribes kind oh, of like thing. Oh, like that striker thing they've got in Forbidden West. Is it machine strike or whatever? Like, yeah, do a big but I was thinking basically just reskin Age of Empires with like the Horizon clans. Give me that. Like, I want that. <laughs> I know it's never going to happen, but I'll take that over the, an Overwatch sort of thing. If flow. you say the words turn based combat enough times in a row, Josh will leave the room. So You've got <laughs> to get it right. But, hey, if um, they do it like Gears Tactics, maybe I'll play. <laughs> to be fair that could work i could see yeah. that but yeah overall um it's just worth mentioning yeah so to kind of use that as a pivot point into the overall thing that's happening with playstation um jeff grubb sort of known inside i used to be a games beat at giant bomb now um, known for breaking all sorts of things and to, to do with the industry uh, mentioned on one of his most recent games mess podcasts that a playstation showcase could be happening in may um, and he said or at least before the summer games fest that's jeff Keighley's summer thing uh, on june 8th um, to twin that with um, one of the rumors for that showcase, Mortal Kombat 12 was apparently ready to be shown off. Um, this is according to um, Xbox series Nick Baker and Windows Central's Jez Corden, who both mentioned that Mortal Kombat 12 is coming in 2023. Um, there are also various reports about Mortal Kombat 12 uh, versus Injustice 3 and how internally they were NetherRealm were chose to, um, told to prioritize MK12. Um, but uh, Baker said that he expects uh, MK12 to be at the PlayStation showcase. Um, and there's also mention of um, potential platform exclusivity as well. So um, but I have to to imagine that's a time thing that, that feels was, like yeah it'd be kind of crazy right because correct me if i'm wrong i don't know if this is watertight but tekken was shown off at the playstation showcase you yep. know last year so they're kind of aligning themselves with tekken now uh the street fighter 6 demo that just launched i'm pretty sure launched on playstation platforms first so yep. they're aligning themselves with uh street fighter is that what i said street mm-hmm. fighter uh street fighter 6 the demo <laughs> yeah, that's the what i meant to say six. if i didn't say that uh and obviously street fighter 5 was exclusive so if they're going to try to get mortal Kombat as well can they get a away with getting all of the big free fighting games this year they can't keep getting away with it that would be crazy if they do manage to you know align themselves in one way or or another whether that's exclusivity or exclusive content or even just an advertising partnership with all three of those fighting games but i wouldn't put it past them especially Mm. when you know they're very much looking to respond to microsoft's acquisition of activision in a way that doesn't have them also spending 70 billion dollars (laughs) <laughs> so what do you think of the whole their, their moves right now because they are up against all these I don't know Xbox just buying their way to the top it's a weird time isn't it for both the companies yeah. like I, I can't take I mean, I wouldn't take any side. I can't take any side. The whole thing's stupid where it's like, mummy, mummy, <laughs> they bought this toy. I'm no longer allowed to use it. I just can't stand buy it. the whole shop. But, yeah, but Josh, you're exactly right. It does feel like they've kind of 
Microsoft are too busy. They're distracted doing this or that. We're going to buy these. And yeah, it's a weird thing. All potential three franchises. It seems like an odd timing thing as well, because obviously Street Fighter 6 is coming out in June, I think. So yeah. it does feel like, oh, Street Fighter 6 is going to come out. And then immediately we're going to hear about Mortal Kombat 12 as well. It's a strange time mm. considering both of those franchises haven't had entries for years and years and years. Suddenly fighting games are just, we've gone from nothing to everything. It's, mm. It actually seems like a bad thing in it when you look at it that way. Like there's almost too much choice, right? It's like they're all going to suffer a little bit. A little bit. See, I, I'm in heaven, but I'm hoping that it doesn't like botch because there was that thing. Was it a couple of years ago when we were gonna have Halo Infinite, Battlefield 2042, and um, exactly. yeah, Call of Duty or whatever, all in the mm. same year? And it was like, oh my god, the year of first-person shooters. I mean, never we hardly ever have that. Um, and now it's like the year of the fighting games. If Tekken 8 ends up coming out this year as well, right. um, and it's that whole thing where I'm just like, I can take all of them. But at the same time, I think for Sony, like it's a weird thing where Final Fantasy VII Remake still isn't on Xbox, and that's like a weird unspoken thing that was sort of set in motion. They locked it down or whatever. Um, and there's a lot of conversations doing the rounds or keep doing the rounds as to Sony acquiring Square Enix or Sony acquiring mm. Capcom or like trying to do their version of a, a, a much bigger acquisition. Um, and I think that's kind of interesting because it's almost like they don't have to spend anywhere near as much money as Microsoft are trying to spend to win the optical argument. It's like optics-wise, Final Fantasy is aligned with PlayStation and now potentially uh, Tekken, Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, all is. They lock the pre-orders down. Like They're already like winning, quote-unquote, without throwing $70 billion at the problem. I'm not saying this is good for the industry by any means, but I'm mm. saying this is a suave move because Sony kind of spends their money a little bit more smartly than Microsoft, I think. And again, this doesn't yeah. mean they spend it in a good way, but they really go mm -hmm. for fan-favorite franchises. You mentioned Final Fantasy VII. They're obviously a hugely anticipated game that they locked down. They've got Final Fantasy XVI coming as a platform exclusive this year, a fan-favorite mm -hmm. game that they're locking down. You know, they are aligning themselves, like I said, with those fighting uh, franchises. They're aligning themselves with Resident Evil by, you know, advertising the hell out of it and getting VR-exclusive content for the PSVR. All the way, kind of like through the past few years, I think they've been kind of smart in terms of um, identifying what the hardcore fans really like and then trying to pinch those things. Mm. And again, I don't even <laughs> think that's necessarily a good thing or should be commended, but I just think it's interesting the targets, for lack of a better term, that they uh, single in on as a as a compared to Microsoft who kind of just go, well, people love Bethesda and Activision. We'll buy them wholesale. You know, we'll just get them <laughs> yes. all in. Uh, too exactly that. Strange. It makes you wonder because Silent Hill 2 that we know of, the remake, whenever it's going to come out, Windows, I think, and PlayStation 5. Yeah. I don't know about mm -hmm. any of the further Silent Hill games that they revealed, like F and stuff, if they've announced what systems they're going to be on. But it might be that that's an exclusive thing for PlayStation, mm. for Silent Hill, or even just for this sort of new era of reborn Konami. Metal Gear Solid 3 apparently is getting a remake. That's Could be true. another PlayStation exclusive. Castlevania is apparently getting another game. Could mm -hmm. be PlayStation exclusive. Exactly right on the money with like those hardcore classic studios that everybody has various amounts of love and nostalgia for. It's like a weird thing as well where, you know, timed exclusives used to be like the most hated thing. Like I remember when Tomb Raider, um, I forget what you call the middle one now, the one that, you know, after we did the whole reboot and then it was like the... Rise. 
Rise of the Tomb Raider was like locked down on Xbox and it was like, oh my God, guys, you've killed it. I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> and like that franchise sort of struggled a bit. Obviously there was different yeah. artistic directions and everything, but whatever. But then Sony do it all the time and everyone just kind of, it's like Nintendo's reaction. It's like, oh you, oh whatever, oh you've done it again. You've locked it down, you scamps. And it's just like, <laughs> okay, fine. Um, but obviously timed exclusives are only sort of a, I don't know, like a bandage over the problem, let's say, if we're going to be entering into this whole back and forth of how many different teams can you lock down. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. I don't think Sony's kind of... Maybe they are interested in buying those big studios and these big franchises, mm. and maybe they just don't have the same amount of resources to throw around like Microsoft can with, you know, their billion-dollar acquisitions. But if you look at, you know, over the past year, the acquisitions they have made, obviously Bungie was a huge one, uh, and then Insomniac before then, but recently they've been buying, quote-unquote, smaller studios, mm. studios that they've kind of cultivated from the ground up or had an investment in beforehand, and then bringing them in into the fold they just bought um is it fire sprite last week fire walk i want to say yeah fire walk 
Firewalker, who's uh, obviously ex-Bungie devs and Respawn devs and all of that stuff, uh, getting into mm-hmm. like the first-person space alongside Bungie, who I've already mentioned. And it's mm-hmm. interesting to see their approach compared to Microsoft, where they are kind of more interested in having partnerships with big studios first before they buy them outright. I mean, how long did it take them to buy Insomniac or, or convince <laughs> Insomniac to get bought by them? Um, and otherwise, the most seem- insane acquisition of all time as well. Like They paid like £20 for Insomniac. Yeah. <laughs> and they've made them Spider-Man and everything. Like, yeah, it's nowhere yeah. near. And even then, they waited for them to make Spider-Man for them. Like, it's it's hard to... Uh, it's easy to forget that, like, Spider-Man at the time was, like, a second-party game. Like, they didn't own that studio then. It was only when that was so successful, they were like, okay, mm-hmm. after 20 years, you've proven yourself. We'll give you $200 million <laughs> coming into the fold. But that said, I think the second-party kind of approach has been working for them because this year alone, I think their lineup is very strong, not necessarily from a first-party perspective but you've had you've got you know the two final fantasy games coming you've got spider-man 2 you've just had burning shores and then you've probably got stuff that haven't hasn't been announced you've got other Mm. stuff they took a gamble on like forspoken that they probably didn't get that much blowback for because it was second party and they didn't finance it you know through a first party studio they didn't have they weren't all in on forspoken so they could kind of take that experiment and i that said while i do think their lineup is strong i need to see more from them i was telling you yeah. the other day Scott in the office I was lamenting over the fact that we have not seen a Sony showcase outside of the state of players in a long long time and going into the end of the year once we get these big drops for Final Fantasy Spider-Man what's next we can we can guess we can we can guess that there's going to be a Ghost of Tsushima 2 uh, Horizon 3 uh, probably you know the God of War at some point but what's mm-hmm. imminent what's the roadmap what do people need to buy a PlayStation 5 for once they've already got Final Fantasy and Spider-Man yeah, man. That's, well, that's the thing. I mean, for the rest of this year, I mean, that's the, if we do like a blanket question, it's like, what do you want to see from a PlayStation showcase right now? And um, when you think about the stuff that they already have locked in for the rest of the year, mainly only Spidey 2. I don't think I'm forgetting anything that's on that level. Um, but it feels like if you think about Xbox, it's Starfield, Redfall's a lot more imminent. Mm. Um, there's potential for Avowed. Like, you know, there's Forza's meant to be this year. But like on the PlayStation side, it's sort of just like vagaries of things that might come true. Um, I'll throw in here that um, Fumito Ueda mentioned that he's ready to show, oh, he wants to show off his next game. Um, for me to wait the heads up gen design they're the dudes that did uh, Ico Shadow of the Colossus and the magnificent The Last Guardian to give it its full official name um, and he said in December last year um, that he's ready to show off their next game in 2023 um, and so that started doing the rumors, uh, doing the rounds again in regards to rumors and things that might be ready to show off at a showcase um, I wonder how much sway um, that has but I guess any sort of like solid trailer can bring people back on board but you know The Last Guardian was in development for 10 years or whatever it was so it's like they need to get it right this time um, but yeah this is where I ask the question to you two are we old does the name <laughs> Ueda have the sway that it once was when The Last Guardian was coming out and you know it felt mm. like a big deal I remember mm. even then in 2013 or whatever it was people were asking well is the era of this team of this developer of Shadow of Colossus Eco and everything else already feeling a little bit antiquated has the indie space kind of come in and mm. picked up that baton and ran with it like is this more would that be a more of a niche win for like older fans perhaps rather than a kind of blanket mainstream oh yeah we've just nabbed kojima or something like that you know well i guess what do you think because i've got a specific thought on this yeah i don't think so at this point partly because of the last guardian sort of lack of holding power Mm. it wasn't really 
it doesn't get talked about at all at this point. Like, it'd be no, easy to no. forget that it even happened, to be honest, mm. which is crazy considering, as you're right, it took like 11 years or something to come out. <laughs> um, and I just wonder, yeah, that kind of gameplay, that kind of storytelling. Um, so many other companies have been inspired by, in particular, Shadow of the Colossus and stuff like that. Unless they've got something really unexpected up their sleeve, it is just going to be like, hey, it's another one of those. Uh, we waited six years for this. Like, it's, yeah. And not to well, be mean about it, but like, I'm, I'm, hopefully it's something really surprising, but mm-hmm. uh, it might just be kind of a quaint little addition to the PlayStation's <laughs> lineup uh, when we look back on it in a few years and not I like a big me. system seller like it probably should be. Or it yeah, well, been. that's... That's the thing. It's like thinking about because for me, it's like there's a mid tier of their development that they're sort of missing at the minute, and there's not that many games that fit into it. Journey was a massive deal in 2011, mm. 2012, or whatever, and that sort of proved that they could do that. And then obviously the indie indie boom was like 2013 onwards, and they've never really looped back around to that. Like they sort of used to be able to get the likes of Shadow of the Colossus out there and Journey and sort of mid tier games like Concrete Genie was absolutely buried. Not that it's the same in terms of tone, but that was sort of a first party. I'm pretty sure it was a first party. It was at least second party, definitely PlayStation exclusive. And mm. um, little sort of platformer with a really cool art-based idea that just gets completely buried and barely ever talked about, but it is a PlayStation exclusive. And I, I welcome that mid-tier of development, especially if they're pushing into big AAA, you know, Monster Hunter Horizon platform stuff and Last of Us is online all the time. I'd love that mid-tier of stuff that I'll actually finish. That would be nice. Hey, I will interject and say that I still think that's around in a way. It has been minimized. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. But just in the last few years, I could think of like Kana Bridge of Spirits and Stray True. last year, especially that, you know, we might not have loved, especially on this podcast, <laughs> but, uh, you know, a lot of people did, you know, we're still winning uh, awards and stuff. So no, I that's wonder a really good point. Whether uh, you, you are right, though, that they used to pump these things out all the time and like have a really big spotlight for them. And now it does feel like when a Stray comes along, you know, it gets a lot of attention, but you kind of think like, oh, yeah, remember when this was almost their bread and butter where you had this kind of <laughs> mid-tier all the time. But uh, mm-hmm. I wonder if... The I think success they, they, of Stray and Kana, you know, makes them kind of double down on that stuff again. No, man, totally. I think they, they sort of like, um, didn't they swoop in and, and finish off Stray? It was already like a really small project, like two people or something. And they sort of came in and, and like, like a wad of cash at the door and was like, there you go, finish your game kind of thing. Um, versus some of the other examples. But I guess overall, I think someone like Fumito Ueda would be really good to showcase. Like you mentioned Kojima before in terms of like another auteur to um, have as part of the PlayStation brand. Maybe we'll get more Death Stranding too if we sort of talk about like wider, <laughs> what do you want to see from the showcase uh, stuff? Um, but yeah, they could do with sort of reminding people just how many things they have to show off. Something like a Death Stranding would be sweet. Oh my God, I'm so pleased you mentioned Death Stranding <laughs> too because when I was playing through Burning Shores, obviously both games use the Decimer engine. I was mm. I was thinking, as much as I was enjoying Burning Shores, I was thinking, oh my God, I can't wait to see this you know, next-gen engine in Death Stranding 2. That's going to uh, mm. be a game for me. So please, Sony, you know, email me the next trailer for that early, please. I want to see the work in progress. <laughs> Give me the MP4. Speaking of a game that'll be for you, one word, Lawbreakers. Do you want some Lawbreakers? Remember Lawbreakers? Mm, do you want that? I don't know, man. I don't think I do. <laughs> no? <laughs> So I joined some lawbreakers. Did you did you get in I, on the lawbreakers? I literally, hype? when you sent the podcast <laughs> notes over quickly before we recorded, I was like, I'm gonna have to watch some YouTube on this because I'm not entirely sure I remember what this game was. Oh my god, if you if you weren't around at the time. Um Lawbreakers for anyone else who hasn't caught up on what this it is a, it was a game. It was um, a game. It is. Um, was Cliff Blazinski's whole thing after making Gears of War um, 
I don't think he did anything in between unless I'm blanking on something. Oh, no, he did um, Bulletstorm. Yeah. And then he was like, uh, this whole thing. You should watch, everyone should just watch the Kobe Cat video. That's a really good time lapse of the, all the announcements, all the trailer, all the hype and everything. Lawbreaker is one of the most catastrophic failures of modern times. There's a lot of money put into it. It was a sort of first-person first arena shooter, kind of like Doom if you added a lot more aerial combat to it. Point being that the game massively bombed. It was a whole laughing stock at the time. Um, but very recently, and I forget what started this. I remember just seeing the tweets from Cliffy B over on Twitter, just saying people seem to be caring about lawbreakers again. And then a lot of the comments going, oh my God, if you brought it back, I, I would play it. I can't wait to play that. And so that led to him apparently getting in touch. He, he, he initially said he didn't know who owned the rights to it um, because his entire uh, Boss Key Productions, his entire company went under um, after lawbreakers and after a failed battle royale called Radical Heights, which sadly couldn't save them. Um, he had to uh, sell all that stuff off. And then he's now recently gone back and found where the Lawbreakers IP is residing, which apparently is with Nexon, um, and he's tweeted saying he's organizing a conversation with someone from Nexon <laughs> to apparently relaunch Lawbreakers, which to a specific sect of the online people will be a very, oh my god, no. Morbius the video game. That's about, I yeah. was just about to say, do you know what the last <laughs> time it was when someone listened to the internet and what they apparently wanted <laughs> and re-released something? It was Morbius, and look how well it that was. worked for Sony. I don't think... Hey, that's all Shazam, my friend, don't worry about it. Lawbreakers, potentially controversial opinion i never played it but obviously no. you watch that crowby cat video and the comparisons to overwatch absolutely killed that thing dead i wonder now in a sort of post overwatch world where overwatch 2 is there but it's not the behemoth that it was you know you mm. know uh in the late 2010s. I wonder with that kind of not being in the spotlight as much, Lawbreakers can have a chance because it's <laughs> it's it, it's not having that direct competition. It's not going up against this giant in the same way it was uh, previously that just ate everything. You know, not just Lawbreakers, the likes of Battleborn were also victim to oh, um, yeah. Overwatch's immense success. All of these games trying to do what it did but it them just not finding any space because it was so all-encompassing. I wonder whether it would fare better now. Is that enough justification to bring it back from the dead and track down the IP rights? I don't know, man. Don't know. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, I'm say, curious. People talking about lawbreakers, quote-unquote. Three <laughs> people is technically people, yes. But, like, yes. I don't know if it's enough to, like... Do you know what? <laughs> On, on like, unlike Twitter, you know, I, I imagine Cliffy B's gone onto his trending page and gone, oh my God, Lawbreakers is trending. There's 2,000 <laughs> tweets about it, you know, forgetting that he's on the For You tab. He's not yeah. on like the, the worldwide <laughs> tab. He's gone on his interests and his interest is yep. Lawbreakers. Elon yep. Musk's Twitter Two, strikes again. 2,000 tweets by the same handful of people. It's not really, uh, <laughs> still a lot of confidence. Obviously, it's kidding aside about it. Like, yeah, you have to wonder because... If, is anyone interested in necessarily going back into the space that Overwatch has kind of, as you rightly said, Josh, mm. doesn't occupy so much anymore because people have sort of lost interest in it? Have people lost interest in it specifically because of Overwatch 2 wasn't what they wanted or whatever? Or is its time as a genre right now in the sun kind of passed over a little bit? Are you just dooming yourself to literally Morbius here because people don't, they're not going to necessarily come back now that there isn't something else to distract them in the form of a similar game? They're just going to be playing, yeah. I don't know. Whatever else they're interested well, I like, like, I mean... <laughs> That boom was so strong. Like obviously, twenty sixteen, like no, like we've just said, like Overwatch did destroy everything. But Overwatch two was so catastrophic. And the thing is, with Lawbreakers, to me, it was always sold almost like a like a, it's more like Doom. It's more like Doom Eternal, especially because Eternal Eternal was like way more acrobatic in itself. And I'm blanking on the name of Josh. What's that heavy metal Doom like game that you liked? Metal Hellsinger. 
Yes, Metal Hellsinger. That managed to do all right. And it's like that idea of acrobatic first person, nicely kinetic action. I think there's a space for that. Um, because there's not that many comparisons between Lawbreakers and Overwatch, at least from the offset. Like you have a couple of character designs that look similar. The actual flow of the game, I think, is far more like a Doom. I'd be more interested in a Lawbreakers 2. I think Lawbreakers has had its day. It has a reputation that's going to be difficult to shift in the mainstream outside of these supposed and apparently real hardcore fans. But I think a Lawbreakers (laughs) 2, maybe in like Unreal Engine 5, that is built from the ground up, is kind of wiping the slate clean. That would intrigue me more rather than reviving this old dead game that has a bad reputation. Right, okay. 100%. I wouldn't even call it Lawbreakers 2. Like, I would spiritual successor it kind of thing. Like, just pretend, don't look over here, look this way instead, sort of situation. (laughs) Don't remember that, look at this. To be fair, like, one of the biggest issues was the marketing. It was the lead up. It was Cliffy getting a way too Cliffy in all the uh, the interviews beforehand. Whereas if you just sort of wipe the slate clean and go, the next IP from the creator of Gears of War, and then you just jump into the footage and you just don't even acknowledge that it was a thing before. Maybe that's a way forward. Um, final news item, which I think by the time this podcast goes live will have happened, um, but it ends, it's, the, it's the hot happening topic on the streets of the, um, the UK's CMA finally approving the Microsoft Activision Blizzard deal. I mentioned this at the very end of the podcast because we've all talked about it ad infinitum, um, but apparently this Wednesday slash today when this podcast goes out, and the Financial Times are reporting that in advance that the UK's CMA will actually be approving that deal. Um, so it's over a year on from when they first said we'll pay $69 billion for all of that IP. That's apparently finally closing. I I now realize how monopolies happen, right? Because (laughs) I am not personally involved with this process and I'm sick of hearing it. I'm ground into the ground (laughs) with it. Yeah, that's not a phrase, but you know what I mean? I'm I'm, I'm over it. I'm sick of hearing about it. I'm sick of the pissing contests between all of these companies, between all of these agencies, the kind of mud throwing at each other from Phil Spencer and Jim Ryan, the leaked documents, Mm. the the, the the trials and what have you and people trying to figure out what video games are from these authorities because they don't know and they're like please tell me what a video game is what's a what's what's monetization what's a loot box what's a season pass it's just mm-hmm. been a little bit exhausting so I'm kind of one way or another I'm just I'm I'm I'm, I'm wanting there to be a kind of line drawn under it so we can move on as an industry because it's just as a people maybe that's a privileged thing to say because it's like okay I, I just want to not hear about it but man like I'm I'm sick of hearing about it. I definitely think that only weirdos like us kept up with it that much. I think the Maybe. average person on the street wouldn't even know what was going on unless you sort of told them, hey, by the way, all these other games are about to become Xbox exclusive. But um, side thoughts on this ridiculous deal? Yeah, I'm in the same boat, really. We've all just kind of said how it's there's some amount of disdain for this kind of behavior, but it is very much just like... Just if you're gonna do it, get on with it, please. Yeah. Just like, can we move on and just get the games <laughs> out and start talking about the games again, please? Like, it's just... Yeah, it's maybe been, Xbox it's can finally give us a yeah, give us like a bigger slate of things that are coming as well. Once they finally know where the likes of Elder Scrolls or whatever's going to land, mm. and they can start planning those things out. That's my question, right? Will this acquisition fix Xbox? Because my opinion is no. You've seen all of the studios yep. that they've bought, and I know I I kind of cut them a lot of slack because it takes so much time to buy a company, to realign that company, and then get a game out. And we're only 10 years out from the Xbox One launching, you know, from the Don yeah. Matrick era, from Phil Spencer even coming in and starting to change things around. When you look at the timeline, 
from that perspective, I don't think it's, you know, um, unfair to cut Xbox some slack in terms of their turnout. That said, when you look at their apparent mismanagement of even their biggest franchises like Halo, which they mm-hmm. have not done a good job with. And not <laughs> really, perfect Dark's not even off the start. Per- oh, don't get me even started. Perfect Dark and Fable <laughs> and everything else. But Halo and 343 Studios and the tumultuous process that that franchise and that studio has gone through, it just doesn't fill me with a lot of... Um, you know, optimism that them mm. taking on a behemoth like Activision Blizzard King will allow them to focus on the games. I just, I hope so, because, I mean, Activision Blizzard King was in a terrible position, and I don't think you could do any worse than that, and I hope the Microsoft acquisition, you know, helps those studios, helps those franchises become a little bit healthier, but I, d- I don't see this being the kind of, uh, like, sort of ultimate win for Microsoft as a studio um, in the no. short term, maybe in the long term. But right now, it's going to be another big process after 10 years of big processes and transformations. Yeah. <laughs> big sure. process is the name of our hit indie song, uh, which you should check out. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, my thing overall, and I, I point to an Xbox video that I put together, Cy thankfully edited for me. Um, that whole thing's over on the YouTube channel, um, just because to check in on the state of Xbox and the fact that Game Pass only makes up 15% of their overall revenue. And Phil Spencer saying he never thinks that there'll be a, a point in, the, in time um, where that'll make up the entirety or something more close to 70 to 80% of their revenue. So it seems like even with $70 billion here, it's just bolstering what will always be 15% of a whole, but they're trying to make that whole bigger and trying to make Game Pass more worthwhile or whatever. Um, lots of boring business stuff. So I feel like once this thing, these things get out the way, um, we'll put some games in a different column and then we'll be able to move forward. Now we've done this, who do they buy yes. next? Because they don't stop here. They <laughs> Sony, to be honest. Just Hoover yeah. <laughs> them up. Nintendo? I don't know. Get it done. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. I think by the time this thing goes live, um, all that stuff will have shaken out. Maybe something else will have got in the way. Maybe Jim Ryan will have leaked some more Im- images of Phil Spencer or whatever he's going to do to get in the way of it. Um, for now, though, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Hilford, joined by Cy White. Hello. Oh, goodbye. Not hello. It's been a long day. <laughs> Good evening and goodbye. And also Josh Brown. <laughs> goodbye, everyone. <laughs> and we'll catch you next week. See ya. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.